0: Good morning, Journey Church. Would you guys stand up with us? We're going to go ahead and get started with some singing. Sometimes we like to go ahead and talk a little bit about prayer. Um, So I'm just going to share a little bit about prayer. We're going to pray and keep on singing. Um, If you've been here for any number of weeks, we talk about how we believe as Journey Church that prayer changes things. We believe that we're not just speaking to a far off uh, somewhere God, but a God who wants to engage with us. God who's looking to meet with us. So this morning, I'm gonna pray for you guys and we're gonna believe that Jesus wants to meet with you here in this, this building this morning. So God, may you be here in this place. Jesus, may your name be made great in this place. Holy Spirit, may you have your way. God, we thank you for all you do for us. We thank you that every single person in this building, we thank you that they're here this morning, God. That they're here for a reason, Lord. God, That you brought them here, it's not by accident. So Lord God, may you meet with us in these next couple of songs. In Jesus' name. i
1: Why don't we give it up for the worship band really quick? Because they're absolutely amazing, and we are so lucky to have them leading worship this morning. You guys can take a seat. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tess, and I'm going to be giving a little bit of a giving encouragement this morning. And if it's all right, I would like to read a verse to you guys. And it's going to be Romans 10, 13 through 15. And it says... For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard, even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And um, this verse has been really kind of heavy on my heart this past couple weeks. And I got to spend a couple weeks um, up on a mountaintop with about 2,000 teenagers um, which is hell on earth to some of you. And to me, it's like the greatest time of my life. And coming down the mountain, um, summer camp like always kind of like everyone comes back and there's like so much that God did. And I remember coming back and I was like, wow, like God, I'm so grateful because you reminded me of what actually matters while you're up there. Because um, I got to spend a lot of time with so many different students in so many different ministries across Southern California. And I got to meet... Well, I already met him, but I got to hang out with this kid who his name's Will, and he goes to a church down in San Diego. He's 16 now, but he was 14 when I met him two years ago, at another summer camp. And I get to meet him, and I get to talk to him this week, and I get to hear a bit of his story, and I get to hear kind of how two years ago, when I first met him at summer camp, um, two weeks prior to going to that summer camp, he was going to take his own life, and he was done. He had no hope. He had just nothing left and then he was a part of this church who announced summer camp on a sunday morning and he thought i guess i'll go to that i'll guess i'll see what that's about like i guess um we'll kind of see how that is and he goes to this summer camp and he experiences for the first time who jesus is and he experiences the love not only of god but the love of the other people around him and his life is completely transformed and then i get to see him two years later and i get to realize like wow like I had no idea that, like, any of that happened. And it just makes you sit back and think, like, we get so caught up in the motions of doing church, of showing up here on Sunday mornings, of getting up, getting dressed, getting coffee, listening um, to someone pray, and then listening to people worship, and then listening to this random girl talk about tithe, and then listening to another guy come up and preach a message, and you miss the point of why we do what we do, why the church exists, why we give, why we even show up. And it's because there's a lost and broken broken and hurting generation out there and they desperately need the good news that we have. That we have, like how are they gonna know unless we go and tell them? How are they even gonna believe in God if we don't take up our rightful place as a church and say we're going to participate? Because I'm so grateful that there's a church down in San Diego that there are people I will never meet but because of their faithfulness, there was a kid that was able to come in and experience the love of God. And I, get to, and I get to hang out with him, and I get to see him two years later and think, this is why we do what we do. This is why it matters. Like, and even personally for myself, I'm so grateful to be a part of this church specifically because this church is built upon, and I've said it before, the faith of the generations that have gone before us. This church is built upon the obedience of people that you will never see and never meet, but because of them, there's a church that we get to walk into. That because of them and their faithfulness 10 years ago, five years ago, there was a place for me to walk into and give my life to God and experience that love. And Journey Church, if anything, is a church that champions the next generation, that champions the church. And that is why it matters. That is why we give, that is why we do what we do. It's not just so we can have the lights be on and like keep the building running cool with air conditioning. Well, that's not bad. I was here last week, I know how hot it was. That's absolutely great, it works this Sunday. But all of that falls short of the fact that we do what we do and we give because there are kids like William and there are kids like me who desperately need to know that Jesus is out there and he loves them and that there is hope. So as the give, I'm not giving, ushers come forward to pass around the buckets, there's a couple different ways you can give here at Journey Church, there's gonna be on the screen, but if you would bow your heads with me as I'm gonna pray. So Jesus, we are so grateful this morning We come in so thankful that we are part of a church that just believes so greatly in your great commission, God, that we believe so... strongly that there's a lost and broken world out there and that it is our mission and our job to tell them the good news that you are real and that you love them and that there is hope so god i pray that you would bless this offering this morning i pray that you would bless the obedience of those um, who give god i pray i thank you so much um, for the generations that have gone before us i thank you for the generation that is in this room i thank you for the generations that are to come god that we are your church that we are one church that we are one body that we are one kingdom of god and Lord, I just pray that throughout the rest of this service and throughout the rest of this Sunday, God, that that would just be so heavy on our hearts, Lord Jesus, that we would never forget why we're here and why we do what we do and that it matters so, so much. So I pray that you would bless every single person in this room, every single situation and story, um, and just open up our hearts to receive whatever you have for us this morning, that we would come into this message expecting that you are going to speak to us and that you want to speak to your people. And in your precious and beautiful name, everybody says amen. So I'm gonna welcome Chase up to give announcements. It's Good also m- his birthday.
2: <laughs> Good morning, everybody. We oh. sing? <laughs> wow, what a beautiful day. I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you guys for showing up today.
1: Very true. Announcements. Also, announcements. The first couple things is fifth and sixth graders, you are dismissed to go to your class. You are dismissed to have the best time of your life, to have so much fun. Also, if you're a first timer here at Journey Church, we have a surprise for you. We
2: have gifts. We
1: have gifts in the form yes, of cookies, I think.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> who they're going to
1: be, who knows, honestly. Changes every week. But out of the hot spots, it's going to be out those double doors to your right. And if you're a first timer, you can go over there, grab your special treat, and just hang out and talk to us. We would love to meet you and connect with you. Um, and we're so glad that you're here this morning.
2: So good. We have a ministry that is for the junior high and high school students called The Crash. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, they're pretty. <laughs> It's awesome. Um, But we have um, coming up, we're ending our summer break and we are actually starting back up. We're kicking off on Wednesday, August 21st and the 28th we'll be at Sergeant Owens Park over here by Costco um, on Ellen 10th. And so make sure if you know a student or you are a student, make sure you show up there and not to this building because we're gonna have some fun out in the park.
1: Very true. Also, August 25th is gonna be our promotion Sunday For all you 6th graders that are going into 7th grade this year, so during services both 9, 30, and 10, no, 9 and 10, 30, that's correct, is that we have 5th and 6th grade, but also now that they're 7th graders, they get to join us in big church. Perfect. They get to come join us and have all the fun that we have. So we're going to have a special Sunday, August 25th. Make sure you bring them around because we do want to celebrate them.
2: Awesome. And if you guys are new here and you're neither a student, but you're a little bit older and you're like wondering how to connect and how to get a part of it. In September, we are starting our midweek programming. It's gonna be amazing. If you guys have joined us for connect events, it's gonna be on Wednesday instead of Tuesday, but we're still doing it. Um, September 4th is the first one, starts at 6.30, goes to eight. We'll have food, we'll have fun. We have a kids program. They're going to have like a water party with Brianne, um, our kids director. So it's going to be awesome. So make sure you calendar that and come have some fun.
1: Make sure you calendar that. Cal- also, schedule, the calendar. Th- calendar that. Also, the next thing to calendar is going to be October 4th through the 6th. We're going to have oh, a women's <laughs> retreat. Um, and it's going to be at, let me just check at the Oaks Camp and Conference in Lake Hughes. So the total cost is $260 and there's a $100 deposit. What was that? We're doing great this week. <laughs> you calendared, I can't talk. We're doing absolutely fantastic. But there's a $100 deposit due on September 1st. And like I said, like these conferences and these getaway weekends are so monumental and they're so great to just develop a relationship with um, people that you might not ever talk to on a Sunday morning, but they might become your best friends. You have no idea. Maybe. Also, we do have one more announcement that cool. we forgot to announce first service. It's okay though. But it is going to be for MOPS, our Moms on Purpose group. And on August 17th, they're gonna have a barbecue at Cassandra's house. And so if you want more information for that, it will be at the hotspot, as will any announcements that we might have missed or you might not have heard. Perfect. And you should be all set to go, Chase.
2: Awesome. Yeah, if you guys wanted more information or missed the information, the dates, go to avjourney.com and it will have everything there and uh we're in our second week of this series it is amazing elisha
1: fantastic Eli- elisha not elijah i said sha. yeah
2: so <laughs> as it's we get about- ready to go why don't you guys stand up and greet someone around you
3: Grab a seat. Let's get going. If you're new to Journey, welcome. I'm Dave, one of the pastors, and I have the privilege of sharing today um, in our, our series, Elisha. Elisha, week two. So last week, we kicked off with this idea that there's this guy that comes on the scene. We like every summer to try and kind of take a Just kind of take a stroll back through the Old Testament and talk about some of the great things that our God has done throughout human history and the ways that he has continually exposed his love and his heart towards people and constantly invited them back in and just tried, you know, so many ways uh, to connect and to show us how he meant for life to be. This is a series where we're going to be talking about big faith. Last week we talked about the very first step in Elisha's journey. Elisha was following the great prophet, the considered the greatest prophet uh, of Israel. His name was Elijah. And here is his protege, Elisha, coming on the scene. Last week, we saw that Elijah goes out and he places his cloak on Elisha's shoulders as Elisha was out plowing his dad's fields with his dad's oxen and plows. And Elisha decides that he wants to be all in with God and God's plan and being God's man in this moment. He takes the plow, he takes the oxen and he, he kills the, the oxen and he sacrifices them and gives the whole community a great big steak dinner and then he burns the plow in a, as a way of saying, I'm not going back. I'm all in. If God wants me to serve him, I'm all in. I'm going I'm not even gonna I'm quitting my job. I'm burning, I'm burning the bridge back to my to my former life, and I'm going all in. And we just talked about that. Our first step towards God is one of those moments where, like, I discover that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and I just like I make a full-on surrender. God, I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to confess all of that I have done and how everything that I've done, my failures, my mistakes, my disobedience. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust that Jesus went to the cross to cover that. I'm going to trust that all of his sacrifice went for all of my sin and that the new life he promised is for me. And I'm moving forward. No looking back. That's where we began our journey. We're wanting to give the whole point of this series is I want to build your faith. I want to help you just get a very clear glimpse of the person God wants you to be and the, the person that God is trying to develop you to be the kind of life that God wants us to live. That's what we talk about all the time at Journey is what kind of life are you living? Is it the full and abundant life Jesus talked about? Well, the point of this series is to help build your faith. We, we've just been wanting to give you a greater glimpse of what God will do with a heart that's fully his. And what we read is Ephesians, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, 6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because what we discovered is that God is like, you know, he's, he's a person in a way, not like a human, but he's a person. And God wants to be trusted. Like every relationship, you, you can't have a relationship without trust. You can't have a real tight, intimate connection with somebody unless you trust them. And God is like a father who wants his kids to trust him. And if my kids came to me and said, Dad... Um, you know, I'm not so sure I can trust your motives towards me. I don't really know if you're gonna provide good for I don't know if you're gonna, I don't really wanna eat what you've provided, I don't want to take whatever you're doing for me because I don't trust you. That's kind of what it must feel like to God when we don't trust him. And that's why he's saying, Hey, you wanna be in relationship with me, then you've got to trust me. Let's begin there. And then it says, and then people sometimes get stuck. A lot of us make the first initial step of saying, God, I want to serve you. I want to be all in. I want, I want forgiveness for my sins. I want a place in heaven. I want my name in that Lamb's Book of Life. So on Judgment Day, you know, what Jesus did covers what I've done. And, and so God's wrath is already taken care of. And I'm, 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 I'm all in for that. But then what? Then what? Well, then it's a succession of daily life with God. It's learning that God has a plan for your daily life. He wants to engage with you daily. He wants your life and your journey to be a daily, ongoing faith experience with him. Life, I I love Rick Warren, uh, pastor of Saddleback Church, talked about this, that life is like railroad tracks. And you got this parallel journey at all times. You've got the good stuff that's going one direction. It just feels like, oh, man, I'm so grateful for this. Either a great marriage or you're killing it at work or you have, you know, you're just in ultimate health. Or you've got stuff that you just feel like, I'm, I feel really good. Maybe it's just your car. That's the only thing. It's like, and I really like my car. But whatever's going good in your life, you've got that thing. And it's like, yeah. But then at the same time, there's always a parallel that's going the opposite direction. Where it feels like that stuff is not good. And even though my marriage is great, my child is breaking my heart, or even though I have a killer job, life at home is brutal and painful, or even though I've got this really nice car, somebody just rear-ended me. Whatever. It's like we've got these, life is always both the good and the bad. It's always in a fallen, broken place. We've always got a combination. God's you know, kind of showing us that there is the good stuff, and I'm always active in your life, but there's a challenge that's always going the other direction. What do we do with that? How do we learn to live in joy and fulfillment and this contentment when I I feel like there's this tension always of this stuff that's trying to drag me down? Two reasons that people don't really find the fullness of life and move forward in this journey with Jesus. First, we don't believe big enough. We have such little faith. Jesus said, when I return for the the people, will I find faith on the earth? The one thing he was challenged by was he was always surprised by people's lack of faith, and he was always blessed by people's full faith. That's what God is asking for us. He wants us to truly believe and believe in him, believe big enough. And the other thing is they don't start small enough. People don't know that you have a part to play, that God wants you to dream bigger and start smaller in some instances. It's it's two sides of the same coin, and we're going to just kind of flip it over and look at both of those for a minute today. So today, in a way to help build and inspire your faith and dream bigger dreams, um, I also want to give you some steps that you can take for making that obedient next step, small steps. Most of us don't think good enough about our God. We don't think big enough thoughts about our God. We don't believe enough that God is personal in our lives to really ask him. How about this, Ephesians 3.20, a launch verse for us. Now, glory be to God, Paul says, Who by his power, his mighty power, not just a little bit, tiny bit of power, but by his mighty power at work where? Within us. He's able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or dream of. Wait a minute. God, what's he saying? Paul is saying what I have discovered about journeying with Jesus and living under the power and the authority of God is that God wants to do more than I could even dream of that I would even dare ask or dream of infinitely beyond my highest prayers, desires, thoughts, our hopes. God has good intended for you, and he wants you to step into a life that is not just, it's not perfect yet, but a life that is full and flourishing and thriving in the midst of the chaos of the two tracks in this, com- this present season of brokenness. He wants you to learn how to live that way, and we do it through faith. He said, man, do you believe in that kind of God? Because Paul's saying, "That's the kind of God I'm introducing you to. That's the kind of God that I want you to know. A God whose intentions for you are good. A God that's crazy about you, and a God that's willing to do unbelievable things if we would ask." And I'm always amazed at the faith of people in the funny ways. I, I had a buddy at, in college that was. Let's just be honest. He was not a looker. All right, this this guy was like. He, he looked like he ran into a truck too many times, um, and just to be honest, he doesn't know I'm talking about him, so he'd admit it anyway, but just saying, this was a guy that I'm like, you know, everybody's made for somebody, but who's he gonna get, and I kid you not, this guy had the faith to first ask Jesus, and then ask her, and he went to, he found the hottest looking girl he could on campus, and he went straight for her, and he married her, I'm just telling you, have you ever seen the guy that's like, how did he end up with her? Well, it's faith, people, it's the big dream and the small step. Hey, baby. You know, I'm just saying, you got to start somewhere. And I'm batting way out of my league for ending up with the person I ended up with, and I'm telling you, it works. you got to believe that God believes, and you got to believe that God loves, and you got to believe that God has a plan that is probably better than your plan, and you may just be missing some of the good stuff in life because you don't know how good he is. And again, this is not a prosperity gospel. everybody's supposed to be rich and live in mansions. This is a real life, cuts and bruises kind of world that God wants to bless and cause flourishing and thriving in the midst of. The kingdom of heaven came into a broke world when Jesus entered the world. And he said the, king, the good news, the gospel is, the gospel is, the kingdom of heaven is now available to men. The reign of God has begun, and for those who enter the reign and the rule of God in their lives and submit to that king, live in that king's kingdom, you're going to experience a newness of life, a flourishing of life, abundant life. What we're talking about today. And it's true, we settle for less. Dwight L. Moody, the great famous preacher said, If God is your partner, (laughs) you better make big plans. You better make your plans big. Because God is a big God, and He's capable of great things, and He's waiting for people who are willing to trust Him. So not only do you have to have big faith, but obviously you've got to start small. Our dreams should be big and audacious, and our steps should be obedient and ordinary. Just the or- obedient, ordinary steps of doing what Jesus said, what God said, puts us right in line with what God is doing in His world. The Scripture, man, faith isn't about feelings, it's about action. And so I'm just going to call you out to action today. Faith is work. The Bible says, you know, faith without works is dead. James just wanted us to know that, you know, you you can't really have faith if you don't do something about it. It's not faith at all if you just have it up here. If you don't do anything with it, he goes, come on, activate that faith. Do something. It's not a passive thing where you just sit around and wait for God to do something on your behalf. You partner with him and obey him. And when you do that in in your small steps... God honors you with big results. God's stuff, my stuff. And it's working that out. What does that look like? And I'm going to show because nobody demonstrates this better, getting your hands dirty and trusting God, but working out his end than Elisha. So we're going to break that down today, and and we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 3. So what we need to know, Elisha doesn't just believe that God is great, and God is good, and God is involved in our lives. He does something about it. Constantly and over and over again, he responds to God as if God loves him and has a plan to be involved in his life. And Elisha's action-oriented approach teaches us that miracles are not just magic tricks. They're divine results of small, obedient steps with and towards God. Faith-filled preparation is necessary. So a little background. Israel has been split the people of God under King Saul started out as Israel, under David as Israel, but after that, the kingdom split into two separate kingdoms, Israel and Judah, the northern and the southern kingdom. All right, so just before our story now, we had the, the story of Elijah. Elijah was the, pro, the prophet who had come just before our story now with Elisha, and he had had this incredible journey of power and victory over all the darkness and wickedness that was going on in his generation in his country and again we're not talking about the pagan nations who have not been exposed to jehovah we're talking about the nation that used to call jehovah or yahweh their god and have turned their back so the the king and the queen that elijah had to deal with were named ahab and jezebel maybe you've heard their names before Maybe you remember this great big showdown that Elijah had on top of Mount Carmel where the worshipers of Baal and Asherah, these wicked, wicked, you know, little g gods, those were the key gods that were worshipped under Ahab and Jezebel. And they were the ones that actually Elijah called them out and said, hey, let's just have a, let's just have a big showdown. Let's see whose god is real, your gods or Jehovah." Let's go on Mount Carmel, let's both build big altars, let's both sacrifice the bull, and let's call down fire from heaven. If your God answers the fire, he's the real God. If my God answers the fire, he's the real God. If Jehovah or Baal, let's see. And they said, let's do it. We'll come back to that in a moment. But that is the story that precedes. That is the king and the the queen, and that is the prophet that precedes us. Now their son, God took care of them, and God pretty much wiped them out because of their wickedness. Now their son has come to power, Jehoram, and he is now the king. And now Elijah's protege, Elijah's protege, Elisha, has come to power. So it's kind of like the kids of both of these rival forces and powers are now up, in, up to bat. <clears throat> so that's it. Now Israel, when Ahab was in charge, they had conquered some of the regions around them. And during David's reign, so the Moabites were one of these peoples that were conquered and now they were basically subservient to Israel, so they would send their monthly allotment of taxes to Israel. Well, when Ahab died and Jehoram comes into power, they said, we're done. This guy doesn't look near as tough as his dad. I bet he couldn't even, I bet we could take him out. So we're not going to pay him taxes anymore. We're not going to send our monthly tribute to, to Jerusalem. So basically, we find that this kingdom starts rebelling, which starts in basically in that whole realm other kingdoms other realms started saying well if they're not gonna do it let's not do it and so he knew he had to crack down on this right away so Jehoram basically gathers two of his friends he goes to the king of Judah the kingdom that once was part of them and then he goes to the king um, also the of Edom and says hey you guys want to help me I've got to go I gotta go bring these guys back in line so Basically, they said, yes, we'll go with you. We'll go to war. We'll help you put those guys back in their place because if these kingdoms start rebelling, then our subservient kingdoms will as well. So verse chapter 3, verse 9 of 2 Kings. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And after a roundabout march of seven days, it was a roundabout because the king of Jerusalem, or Israel and the king of Judah were these two kingdoms, and they had to go down to meet up with the king of Edom. It's like, hey, we're going to pass through your country. We'll pick you up on our way, right? So they came then around through the desert, the back way, to face the Moabites. So after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? Interesting. Interesting. How many people do you know that their first response to a negative situation is, God's mad at me, God's mean, God, God, God. It's God's fault. God put us in this, I knew it. God, God tricked me to come out in here to, to take me out. This is what. This is God's way of getting back at me because God's mean and God's always looking to do something ornery to me, right? That's his first response. But Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, he asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? The Lord is another term that just refers to Jehovah. They were traveling through the desert to attack the Moabites, and they ran out of water, right? Picture tens or even hundreds of thousands of soldiers marching through the desert. All the provision, they had to have like just Imagine how many oxen they had just pulling carts full of food and water and the, all the tents that they had. I mean, just the, the manpower alone required to make this kind of thing happen. It's unreal. But they thought probably that they're going to go through this land and they'd go ahead and stop at the springs that are normally there, discovering that there was a drought going on and the springs were not alive. There, were no, there was no water. So they marched. They kept marching using up provision after provision for seven days and they finally got to a place where they were in panic mode. And there was no water. Things got really desperate. So king of Judah says to the king of Israel, listen, you invited me out on this thing. What's, what kind of planning is this? Don't you, have a, don't you have a godly man with you? Don't you have a prophet? Because it was typical for those times for the people of God to invite God with them and all of their exploits. And whenever they had a, a problem, they invited God to lead them. And so they would have a prophet or a spokesman for God who would be with them in their, chal- in their challenges. Well." It just so happens that the king of Israel didn't like the man of God and didn't want the man of God. He didn't even realize he was there. So the king of Judah has to call him out. Don't you have a faith person with you? Don't you have somebody who talks with God? Let's find him. A couple observations as we, as we move forward. So a couple of things I want you to notice here. And, and I hope a couple of these things that you're gonna just kind of let God impact your heart with today. First of all, your greatest need becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need could become, it can become your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Can I just tell you, I've talked a lot about it because it's what I've been living, but the health journey that I went on when I was, you know, just a year ago, this time a year ago, I was hooked up to this, you know, heart cath and IVs, and I was very, very, very sick, and I felt like, I felt like I was benched after being a person that's always been in control of my body and at least a a little bit in control of my circumstances and a person who was responsible for this church and a person who's been here since, you know, we were back setting up chairs, you know, long ago in a school and and through that season through another little church where we set up and took down. And the few of you who were with us back way back then, you remember, and I was so used to being hands-on about everything because we started small and it was like I had to do everything and so I was so used to that and for me to get to the point place now where I'm, I'm we're too big for me to control or hands-on or to meet everybody to counsel everybody to pray with everybody to lead all the groups or whatever it's just way 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 beyond that but I still have trouble not trying to do everything well God literally allowed my greatest problem to become my greatest blessing by parking me in a hospital where I couldn't even hold up my own head. I was literally, I'm like, Lori, I I can't breathe because my head, I had no control over my own body, my own limbs, and she had to hold my head up so I could breathe because I was completely without control. And that situation just told me in black and white terms, hey, buddy, you don't control anything. You can't even control yourself. And that was the hardest thing of all for me always been an athletic person, very active person, and to literally have no control of my own limbs was terrifying. And I'm just looking at that saying, God, you took an extreme move. My greatest, incredible, I mean, curse was the greatest blessing because it literally caused me to have to let go of things and trust God and trust people in a way that I, I just had struggled with. Not because I'm like Mr. Powerful, need to be in charge, but because I just I just don't know how to let go real easily and this was God's way of saying let me show you and I don't say that he did that to me but he allowed it through me to be one of those moments where my greatest need became my greatest blessing because it caused me to depend entirely on him and when we're facing big problems and we we turn to God that's not let's not make it a last resort I know some of you are going through something right now and it's like, well, I've done everything I can do, so, you know, maybe I'll include God. But have you ever been in one of the situations like, well, all we can do, we've done everything we can, so all we can do now is pray. Well, why is it all you can do? Why don't you start there? You know, this is what we talked about in our series, couple, couple series back where this whole thing about God and you is that He wants to be in an ongoing, daily, interactive relationship where it's not a Sunday thing. It's not a religious duty thing. This is a God who is a present in your life, wants to be verbally like interactive with you where he's like whispering to you and prompting you and and we're in your problems you literally just have second nature to say hey god you're with me right god lead me god give me wisdom god give me the words to say to this person god help me with my temper right now or whatever god wants to be in it with you all the time and so in these moments he's not looking for you to say well wow everything's gone to pot now let's ask god it's what these guys did We engage our big faith when we go humbly and confidently to God daily throughout our big and small moments. And these kings waited till they ran out of every other option. They did everything else in their power. And then they said, well, I guess we'll have to ask God. So verse 11, an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. In other words, he was the servant to, the apprentice to, the great Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with that guy. I know who that guy is. I know that God speaks through him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. In other words, the king who was his king, Jehoram did not even want to approach him alone. He didn't even want to go down there. He's like, come on, guys, let's go with me. Come on, let's all go. Let's show force with this guy. Let's all go and present ourselves to him. So the three kings who are not serving God, none of them are currently serving God decide to go down and talk to the man of God, the prophet Elisha. Now, it's interesting, Jehoshaphat is the closest to a man of God. He had formerly walked with God and served God, but he was far from God at this point. So all of a sudden, when they're in trouble, what do they do? What what do we do when we get in trouble? Hey, God, and I think he appreciates that, but I think he wants more than that. I think he wants daily interaction. It's more like these guys like, hey, is there anybody that can do like a spiritual rain dance and get some water for us? Is there anybody who can just fill the void? It's like, hey, God, I got a problem. I don't really want to spend any time with you. I don't, really want to, I don't really want the rest of what you have to offer, but I'd really like the blessing thing, so can I just show up on Sunday, put a buck in, and get some results? Can I just throw up a quick 10-cent prayer and get a million-dollar answer? I'm just curious, God, how does this work? But, and again, God does act on our behalf because he's crazy about us, but folks, he wants more? A relationship. And but probably by, the King Jehoshaphat was clear, he'd obviously heard of Elisha. Because Elisha, in his rookie year, had done some incredible things. The first act as, his, as a prophet, he walks out and whacks the water of the Jordan. The Jordan River, this is a massive river, just curls back and gives him dry ground. I mean, his very first miracle was like, ah, wow. Then there was another time that, that there was poison somehow got in the spring, and the people were being poisoned by the water of the spring, and they told Elisha, and he's like, hey, got that, and he just cured the spring. He just cured it. There was another time, not on the good side, but there was another time he was passing through a small town, and a bunch of boys came out and started mocking him, and they were making fun of the fact that this guy had lost his hair prematurely and they were going hey baldy what's up bald head and they were making fun of him literally saying Go, get out of here you baldy and the elisha lost his cool and he just spoke a little word and two bears came out of the forest and literally yeah attacked these kids i'm not i'm just saying if you know a bald man who's close to god don't <laughs> make fun of him If I, I mean a bald woman too i mean whatever You know, anybody who's walking with God, just don't mess with those people. But so they come to Elisha. Elisha, can you help us out? And what is Elisha's response? I I think this is really funny. He gives them attitude. I mean, this is a play right out of Elijah's handbook. Remember when Elijah was on Mount Carmel? Elijah was the one that was taking on those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophets of Baal, the false god Baal, that they worshiped and gave their children in the fire to. Basically, he's, he's calling them out, and, and they, he's like, hey, okay, here's, so during the sacrifice, here's what we'll do. You guys go first, and uh, obviously you've you got some connection with your God, Baal. So you go first and call down fire. Do whatever you've got to do, and um, then, then I'll go when you're done. So they start, and in the morning, it says early in the morning, they started by making the sacrifices. They started dancing around, singing, doing their chants, and all the things that they did to get their God's attention, but nothing. They did that louder and louder and louder. And so pretty soon, Elijah starts like, poking fun at him. Starts making fun of him. Hey, guys, uh, I think he's asleep. You'll need to say it a little louder. Sing louder. Dance a little bigger. They start slashing themselves, start bleeding, start because, of course, their gods were cruel, and they required blood and and torture in order for them to get their attention. So they started doing all these self-mutilation things, and, and Elijah's like, hey, guys, it's not working. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe you should just chill, because he's probably on vacation. He's probably away, he, he forgot his cell phone or whatever. Maybe, and then the final one was this. He says, "Hey guys, I think I know. I think he's on the toilet. You can't, you can't interrupt him because he's probably on the toilet." Read your Bible, folks. There's some great stuff in there. That's that's the Dave Trans, the modern translation. But that that is what he said. Maybe he's predisposed or indisposed on the toilet. So he's making fun of. So Elisha pulls one of those cards out, and of course, in that story, Baal never shows up because Baal wasn't anything but a stone, and then. Elijah steps up, calls down fire from just a simple prayer. Okay, God, show these people who's real in Jerusalem that there is a God in heaven, and he is the God of all. And, you know, sure enough, fire comes down, and everybody just kind of like, okay, we're, we're with you. But already they've turned away again. So Elijah starts giving them attitude. Verse 13, why do you want to involve me? <laughs> you guys haven't asked me for anything the whole time. Why, why do you want, you want me now? Why don't you go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother who's he talking to Jehoram he's saying hey you remember you remember Jezebel's prophets what happened to them why don't you go talk to oh that's right they're dead oh so why don't you go to your dad's prophets so he starts mocking them in a way no the king of Israel answered because it was the Lord who caused us three kings together together to deliver us into the hands he said the, the Lord called us together it was the Lord's fault that we're in this trouble he's trying to hurt us Elisha says as surely as the lord almighty lives whom i serve if i didn't have respect for the presence of jehoshaphat king of judah i wouldn't even pay any attention to you but now bring me a harpist and i I find this really interesting that it reveals a little bit about the way god designed us that music moves a soul have you ever been moved to tears by music have you ever just felt like oh my gosh i don't know how to use words but that says something about what's going on in here that's what worship is that's why we start our services with worship because it does something to prepare our hearts to receive from god to to allow us to connect with god in a way that's somewhat more it's less cerebral but it's more intense in our spirit that's what would happen in the old testament these guys would call for somebody to lead like a worship song or to play music that is beautiful and it somehow just put them in a state of mind and i'll tell you honestly um I can tell when Tyler's preparing when he's one of the ones that's on to preach that week because in his office, I hear worship playing all the time. Tyler's in there meeting with Jesus. I mean, he's like, that's how he connects. And when I'm, there's a moment before I would spend time, you know, before I get up to talk where I've just like got my notes, I got the things I think, but God, I just want to put all that before you and just turn on the worship and just, ah, what is it you're saying? Do I want to make sure I'm in tune? There's something about that. So it says, as the musician played his harp, the power of the Lord came on Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Dig ditches all over this dry stream bed. <clears throat> I love Young's literal translation. It says, make this valley ditches, ditches. Ditches, ditches, everywhere ditches. In other words, God's saying, give me some ditches. Dig some ditches. Get your shovels. Time for some ditches. I love it. Get to work. I want to see ditches everywhere. Verse 17. Even though you will not see any rain or wind. In other words, I'm not going to do it like I did last time. This stream bed is filled with water. And you, your livestock and your pack animals will have plenty to drink. And Elisha continued. But this is an easy thing for the Lord to do. And by the way, and just as an aside, he's also going to give you victory in your battle with the Moabites. You're going to be victorious there, too. But just so you know, this is nothing for God, Jehovah. Big faith observation number two. Just developing big faith often requires we step out before, before God responds. See, that's the thing about God. He wants to be in it with us. He doesn't just want to force our hand or make us believe. That's why he allows us freedom to choose. He wants to respond to an open and a willing and a crying heart. That like, God, please work in my marriage, work on my in my kid, work in my career. Give me guidance, give me wisdom. God responds; He almost always does something in response to people moving towards Him, opening their, towards Him, calling on Him. And it's what I call digging ditches. And I got this from a book uh, Stephen Furtick wrote called Greater. I, I, I spoke about this in a different way about five years ago in a different season of our church, and I was so excited when we came across this passage for today because it's like God is saying, you show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. You step in my direction, and you watch what I'm going to do on your behalf. I love it. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you and I to dig the ditches, prepare for a miracle, prepare for the great work, prepare for something he's going to do. When Jesus was healing people, find it intriguing that when he saw the guy with the shriveled hand and the guy was and he said jesus said stretch out your hand and it's kind of like are you mocking me that i can't that's the whole point i can't and jesus said do it as soon as the guy made his intentions known that he was going to honor god in obedience his hand was fully restored and it was perfectly healed when the guy who was lame from from childhood was there on his mat and jesus came into that area and he goes hey listen pick up your mat get up pick up your mat and go home and the guy's like what you can just imagine his thought processes you're asking me to do something that is beyond my power and jesus said oh no it's not beyond my power i'm just asking you to obey me and the moment he began to move to move the direction of obedience his legs were fully restored he got up and he walked and he was completely healed Naaman we talk about you know Elijah Naaman who was that guy who was a commander in the army who was like completely covered in leprosy and he asked Elijah what do I do and Elijah says go down and dip in the river seven times the guy's like what what you want me to dip in that dirty old creek I've got better rivers and you know no but his servant said oh please do it Naaman you don't know but obeying God just might be the ticket sure enough by the time he came up the seventh time his body was completely whole the hungry masses, when they came to Jesus and he was teaching them, they, were, they got to the middle of the day and they hadn't eaten. They were all hungry. And, and the disciples said, Jesus, we can't feed these people. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of them. He goes, well, have them all sit down in circles like they would at a mealtime. In other words, dig some ditches. Tell them to get ready for food. But Jesus, we don't have any food. Tell them to prepare for what they're asking God to do. Prepare for it. Get ready for it. And of course, Jesus broke the bread and fish, and everybody ate, and there were 12 baskets. So every one of the 12 disciples had their own basket of reminder. Oh yeah, God does work when we ask. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig the ditch. So what ditch are you digging to prepare for your great future? What are you doing to say, God, I want your involvement in my life, so I'm moving in this direction. I'm going to begin working with you. Digging ditches is preparation for the miracles God wants to do in your life that you're asking him to do. How many ditches are you digging? Where are you digging? Single, but you want to marry. Like, ah oh, man, I just, I want somebody so bad. How are, how are you preparing yourself for marriage? How are you, are you reading and preparing yourself? I mean, for some of you, it's as simple as you have got to get out of debt. You're in no position to support somebody else because you are so tied up. Somebody, some of you just need to get out of bed and just get just iron your shirt and like literally do your laundry and t- brush your teeth. Jesus isn't going to do that for you, but honestly, some people just like God do this, do this, do this, and God's saying, hey, on your end, let's let's do this because I want to teach you something as I teach you a you, uh, miraculous thing. I want to teach you something. That person that you want them to be, how about you start being that person? And then when you're ready, I'll send them. That person, I want to be that person one day. I want to be a person of faith. I want to be a person of generosity. I want to be a person, well, then be that person now. Start being the person that you want God to bring into your life. Prepare. Dig your ditch. Be that person. Sell your Xbox. Start a career pay off your debt, cut up your credit card, somebody here may just spent, maybe it's tobacco, and today, your step of, you're digging your ditch is just crumbling up that pack or that chew and just tossing on your way out, I want to be free. Maybe it's a relationship, and your ditch is writing that letter that you have been neglecting to write or making that call or stopping by to visit that person, whatever it is. Somebody here may be in a relationship where you are sexually involved with somebody you're not married to, and scripture is very clear, you want the (coughs) blessings of God on your life And on your marriage, then you have to submit it to his plan. God has come up with a way to make society thrive. And it's a man and a woman in a relationship for a lifetime who are trusting God and honoring God with obedience. And if you are unwilling to do that basic step and you're asking for the blessings of God, you're not digging the ditches where God's going to put water. God wants to water your life, but he's asking you, will you trust me? This is the faith step saying, I trust you by my actions. Not just my words are showing up on a Sunday. I'm going to trust you. If it's the right person, get married or move out till you're ready. If it's not the right person, then what are you doing with them anyway? I'm just saying God has a plan. Why don't you dig the ditch where you want God to work and just ask him, please, God. And please please understand, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just trying to say I want the activity of God in your life to be so real. But if we're unwilling to trust him with our true issues, We'll, we'll trust him with somebody else's issues, but not mine. God can't work in my financial blessings. I want, I, I want to have my own business. Well, then act like you're the owner now and treat that business like it's your very own. And love it and care for it and nurture it. just like And then God can trust you because who God trusts with little and are faithful, he trusts with much. Treat people like you want to be treated. You want a great marriage? Then, man, dig some ditches. Serve your spouse. Care for them. And if, and if you realize, hey, God... I'm doing all i know to do then you need to trust god and ask for the next step because god will lead you when you're doing what you know to do when you're taking the steps you know to take then you have every right to say god i'm not sure what take comes next please guide me give me wisdom and he will there's a moment in our story and and i hate to even tell these kind of things because i don't want anybody to think oh dave does it all right i don't you i try to remind you regularly i'm not a perfect man but one of these moments it was some years ago our, our family had grown, and we have our kids, and we have others' kids, and we have lots of people living with us, and we were in a moment where it's like, man, we can't even sit our own family around. Our, li- our room is too small. We can't even fit our own family. We want to do small groups, and we have our youth. The youth were always just kind of living at our house, and we're just kind of like, God, we'd like to have more space, and a uh, collapse of the 2008 economy had just happened, and so we're like, God, you know, we're just going to dig some ditches. We-, we know that we are meant to be a resource to people and just to offer hospitality and and our limits are very obvious here so we're going to go ahead and sell our house we just kind of felt that was the nudge the time to do it It was the worst time ever because our house was literally worth nothing and so we put it up we sold it and uh, our realtor offered to let us move into our fifth wheel onto her property we did and there were all of us living there and she even gave us a garage a restroom and you know a bonus room that we could put you know kids and stuff and so we were living there and for seven months we just kind of literally froze in the winter by the way somebody hooked us up to the wrong power source so it fried up all all our electronics so we didn't have heat we didn't have air conditioning we just kind of like everything was toast um so we literally had water frozen in the sink in the winter and we were sweating it out in the summer but for seven months we just kept saying god we 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 just believe and sure enough there's a house that came on it was in distress foreclosed whatever and it was had been terribly treated, but it was in a great space. It had a great view. It had the room that we wanted, and we just said, this is it. We made an offer. They made a counter. We accepted, and folks, God did an incredible miracle. We get to live every day in the delight of this experience that, man, it was just one little nudge and one little ditch that we dug that it just seems to have brought so much joy into our lives. I could tell you of others just dozens of stories, but I want this to be your story. And as we close today, man, more than anything, I I, I want you to see that God is not interested in just the super, super spiritual aspects of your life. He's interested in the details, the little stuff. He knows your heart. He knows your yearnings. He knows your fears. He knows your frustrations. He knows your pain. And today, God knows that your greatest need could become your greatest blessing if it drives you to depend on him, to connect with him, to seek him. I pray you do that today. And he also knows that for some of you, the great step is the first step, the little step that you are struggling so hard to make that he wants to encourage you to do today. I can't tell you your story, so I can't tell you your first step. But I can tell you that as a church, we are moving forward. We have three full-time pastors trying to meet the needs of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So one of our steps is we're hiring staff just help serve you better because I've realized God has taught me it's not about me we've got to continue to trust God and move forward we're doing that hiring staff this year a couple different staff members you'll notice we'll be joining our we haven't got them yet we're looking we're also starting a midweek service because we believe God is prompting us that you guys need a greater connection space an opportunity to grow together to talk with and wrestle with some of the concepts we're talking about in a physical presence way, and we want to do that together. So Wednesday night's all-family night. So for the fall, we are going into that Wednesday all-together time, 6.30 to 8 every Wednesday night. We're going to be here connecting, growing, and moving our family tighter as we go smaller and bigger at the same time. There's some other things I'll be telling you about as our series progresses, but right now, we give you a chance to respond to whatever God is stirring in you. And if the faith story, the faith journey is the one that you want to be on, then I'm going to just ask you to close your eyes with me and just ask God for your next step. God, as we close this moment right now, it's I just feel like you're wanting to say so many things to us. And really, it doesn't need my words at all. You're prompting and speaking all throughout this room. And I pray that the hearts who are hearing the promptings of your spirit are... Wide open to say, yes, God, I want that kind of a story. I want that kind of adventure. I want that kind of life. For some, it's the first step of just total surrender. As they say, I, I obviously thought I could control it and figure it out. And I've come to the conclusion, I need God. I want God to, first of all, forgive my sins and give me that forgiveness and new life. But then next, show me how to live a great life. So God for everyone that's opening their heart there I pray that you would just flood them with your love and assurance of your great work on Calvary to forgive their sins to pay the price for their for their sins and also to offer them life and for everyone else Lord that's saying I've done that but now what it's just kind of tap in their heart in that one little area they know that their next step is so critical maybe you've already told them maybe it's something you're exposing them to now that everyone will hear and sense what it is that they need to do to dig their next ditch. I pray you work in them as they continue to trust in Jesus' name. Amen. As you stand this morning, let me just tell you, the story ends because Elisha exactly described what God did. Those ditches by the morning were filled with water. Water came from nowhere and everywhere. The whole place was filled with water, and they won the battle with the Moabites, and God is saying, listen, for some of you, the water is on its way. Keep digging your ditch. Let's worship today as we prepare to leave.
0: God, we thanks for all the faith opportunities we're going to get this week. We praise you. We love you. We look to you to lead us and guide us as we continue in this relationship with you. Everybody said amen. We love you guys so much. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.